those of you who do not know me, my name is Yaku. Um, my wife and I, we moved over to the Linwood Church from the Highfield Church a couple of weeks, months. Feels like years already back. Um, and the, the theme that I've got in my heart and what I've elaborated on now a little bit is the, the whole theme of God being eternal. And that was the, the message that God spoke into my life a couple of years back is about His eternal nature, but then also God working all things for eternity's sake. And that we get to live our lives being mindful of eternity. And how, how that literally changed the trajectory of where my life was going into some, something completely different. Um, I was in grade 10. Um, you know when you choose your subjects for school? And um, I knew exactly what I was going to do with my life. I'm going to um, finish high school, go to England for a year, come back, study computer science, go to America and change the world. That was my life. And when I spoke to my friends, 16, 17 years old, what are you going to do after high school? They're like, oh, I don't know yet. And I'm like, you're 17. How do you not know what you want to do with your life? So obviously, as, um, as I was in complete control of my life after high school, I went to England for a year, um, wanted to stay there for longer. And that's where God had a great encounter with my life, where the trajectory of my life took a complete 180, um, where the things that I thought would satisfy my life, would satisfy my need to make a difference, my need to mean something in the world, was just completely shifted. And we're sitting in the room tonight, and I know many of you have a deep desire for your life to count for something, that you have a deep desire for your life to make a difference, for your life to have an impact. That there's stuff happening in this nation, there's stuff happening in the world that burdens you, that concerns you, and you are not okay with being a Christian that has no effect in the world you live in. So I have good news for you tonight. But there is also a caution, because in the same way as we have the potential to make our lives count, we also have the potential to waste our lives. So as we go into tonight's text, um, we'll be going from Psalm 90, um, speaking about God's eternal nature. And Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses. And when we go through it, you'll recognize that it's not necessarily a really happy psalm. Um, it's not something that we, like, you're scared of. It's like, yep, this is the song that I'm going to sing in my heart when I want to praise God after we won the World Cup. This is maybe the psalm that New Zealand is reading after last night. Um, but there are good parts in it. But there's four parts to this psalm, um, and the context is it's written by Moses, and they are in the wilderness. So they have been led by God out of Egypt through the Red Sea on their way to the promised land, but they're not there yet. So they're before the Jordan, before they're crossing into the promised land. But it is also after God has revealed to Moses and the current generation that that generation will not enter the promised land. Tough message, eh? Like, Moses, you've led well, you've brought them through the Red Sea, you stood up to, the, to Pharaoh, but your generation will not enter into the promised land because of rebellion, because of sin. So now Moses has this prayer that the people will now be reading and the generations to come as well. So the four parts is, the first one is God's eternal nature. Secondly, it speaks about man's fleeting and finite or temporary nature. Then God's rightful judgment against sin. And then number four, numbering our days in light of eternity. And we'll linger there for a bit, I sense. To number our days in light of eternity. 
So we'll go through the psalm together. We'll go through it portion by portion. So you can open your Bible at Psalm 90. It will also be on the board. Um, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. So it starts off to say, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So he starts off this prayer by acknowledging that God has been faithful to their generation, but also the generations before them. So remember, God is the, the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, God has been faithful to them. Yes, He even allowed them to be um, taken to captivity into Egypt. But God brought them out of slavery. He has um, taken them through the Red Sea. He has provided for them in the wilderness um, by giving them fresh manna every morning. They complain and said, manna is not good enough anymore. So God sent them quail. Um, but God has been faithful to this generation. And then he says, and even before you formed the earth, before the world was created, you have been God. You are the God eternal. You have always been. You will always be. And in that, it speaks about certain aspects of God's nature. That God is the creator of, um, Eugene said it as well, time, space, and matter. So in the beginning, God created. All right? And then that means that whatever God created is subject to God. So if God created time, God is outside of time. He's not bound by the boundaries of time. If God created the laws of nature, the, the physical laws, the natural laws, the spiritual laws, then He is not bound by them. You awake there at the back? You are now. He's not bound by them because He created them. So whatever is created is subject to the Creator. That means that God can bend the laws of time. He can bend the laws of physics to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. Now that science might sound a little bit scary, but in one sense it's also quite exciting. It's like, so God can really do the impossible? Imagine that. God can make something out of nothing. So, this also means that when it comes to the aspect of time, that God does not have a yesterday, a today, or a tomorrow. God has a now. And He is always in the now, which is always in the realm of eternity. So nothing ever catches God off God. Nothing happens and then God says, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Okay, I'll redirect. I'll make a different plan. No, God always knows because He sees the end from the beginning. He is in the end to the beginning. He is in all times at all times. Now, we do not necessarily understand that because as the psalm then continues, it says, You turn man to destruction. And say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. So God is eternal. God is infinite. We are temporary. We are finite. And we struggle to understand the concept of there not being time. So when I tell you to think about your life for the next 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, a million years, it's like, that's a long time. It's still not eternity. And our minds struggle to understand the concept of time, and we want God to work according to our understanding of time. We want God to work in, um, according to our understanding of how we think the world works. But the trick is that God is always, everyone say always. He's always working all things for the good of, for the ultimate glory of His name 
and the ultimate good of His kingdom and His people. Always. God is always working with eternity in mind. We think about this life. We are concerned about the things of this life. We want God to work in accordance to this life. And this, in this life, is one of our greatest challenges because sometimes God will do things or not do things. Answer prayer or not answer prayer in light of eternity. And you and I, because we struggle with the concept of eternity, might say, God, I think you made a mistake. You might come to the place where you say, God, I don't agree with your decision. I think you made a mistake. I think that what you have done now is unfaithful, that you are not keeping your word, you are not keeping your promise, because we are stuck in a temporary thinking. And when we stay in that conflict between what is temporal and what is eternal, we can set up a faith that dwindles, that doubts. We can be filled with disappointment. But in this lies also one of our greatest opportunities. That if there is a God who is always, everyone say always. If there is a God who is always working all things for your eternal good, is that not the greatest invitation for you to surrender your life to Him? Because we do not see everything. We do not always see the full picture. Whom of you have made decisions and then when you look back, it's like, that was not the greatest decision. All right? And then we're just speaking about yesterday. I'm not even speaking about your childhood in primary school and you shouldn't have taken that thing from the kid's pencil case than you did. We can't even think that far back. We can't remember that far back. But God knows all things at all times. He sees all things at all times. He is at the end of your life already. Can you trust Him? Can you entrust your life and your family to Him to know that He is always working all things for your eternal good? And when we allow Him to do that, it brings about a perspective to our lives. And that word perspective is important because perspective becomes the lens by which you look at the world. It becomes the lens by which you look at your circumstances. It becomes the lens through which you interpret information whether it is from the media, whether it is from friends, whether it is from whichever avenue it might come, but it's the way that you process information, even the way you process God's Word. And the Bible gives us this promise in Ephesians that whoever is in Christ has been raised with Christ, and we are seated alongside Him in the heavenly places. So for those who are in Christ, there is this opportunity to live from a different perspective, to see life, the temporary, from an eternal perspective to say, Lord, even if I do not understand, even if I do not agree according to my temporary mindset, I can trust you. Now, in my own life, I want to share two quick stories of where this was tested, but also where I saw God being faithful. And the one was in 2015. There's a photo of my dad and my mom. So this was the last photo taken of them together. Um, 2015, we were at my cousin's wedding, and that evening, that very same evening, my father passed away from a heart attack. Very um, unplanned, sudden, and something that shattered almost like our whole family structure. And that morning, um, before, before the evening, we went for a cycle, him, my mom, my dad, and him, my mom, my wife, and myself. <laughs> um, we went for a cycle. And when we came back, my dad complained just of pain in his chest. 
Um, and he said, um, ah, if it's still there tomorrow, we'll quickly drive through because we were about an hour's drive away from the nearest hospital. Um, but maybe it's just heartburn. So we, we prayed together and we prayed for the heartburn. And I remember I prayed these specific words. I said, Lord, if there is anything wrong with his heart, we now pray for healing over his body. That evening after the wedding, um, we were called in. Um, my mom being in my father's arms when he had the heart attack. We were praying, praying now for God to restore, God to bring, bring about a healing for him to, um, to be healed. Then the ambulance came. We are now driving behind the ambulance. Now I'm not praying for healing. Now I'm praying for resurrection. And when we arrive at the hospital, he was already proclaimed dead. Um, and in that, it was, it was a life-shattering moment. It was super surreal. Because in that one instant, everything about our lives seemed to be like just fragile. Um, I remember my, by that time, my elder sister had their very first child, and my dad was so excited to be a granddad that when my sister would phone him, he was like, must I come? Must I come? And he got to see his grandchild for maybe one or two times, and then he passed away. And even though it was um, a life-altering moment for us as a family, in it, there was something about God's eternal nature and an eternal perspective that God settled in my heart that allowed my heart to be established so that my emotions can process the grief. Because I said, Lord, you are God. I ask, you have the right to say no. I ask, you have the right to say no. I can now trust that even in this, you will work it for your good. And good will come from this for eternity's sake. Maybe we see parts of it in this life, but we will see all of it in the next. The next story was um, with my wife and I, we were trusting God for a family. So that's us. There's only one now and we're trusting God for another one. But we, were, we had like a six and a half year journey of trusting God for children of our own. And in this process, we were saying, God, we are open to the idea of adoption um, but you need to speak to us. We don't just want to have a plan B because we don't trust God to do it. And then God spoke to us and said that we will have children of our own. Um, and he confirmed it through the word. He confirmed it through different prophecies. But now it wasn't happening. And from a temporary mindset, this was our reality. Like we have desires in this life. We are getting older. I don't want to be 50 when he goes to his grade um, one. Like, I don't want, yeah, like you're going to be there, huh? <laughs> Different scenario. <laughs> but I was aware of this temporary timeline. And after God has now affirmed that we, that we will have children, it was more than three years and still nothing has happened. And now you're confronted with this like, Lord, did you really say? Will you really come through? Are we doing something wrong? Lord, are we missing something? Is there sin in our lives that is causing you to withhold your promise? You know how weighty that is where I look at mistakes that I've made and I think, is this the reason why God is withholding children from my wife as well? Is God punishing my wife because of my sin? That's weighty. And God spoke into our lives and he gave us a different perspective. And I want to show you the next picture. Do you see there right in the middle is our desire for children? It's there, but it's very, very small. God allowed us to zoom out from our desires which were good and to see and place our desires in the context of eternity because that little man's life has got a calling on it. 
And God knows the exact time and date where he needs to be born into to accomplish God's eternal purposes. It's not about us. Do you know how freeing that was for us? Where we could take a step back to say, Lord, thank you that this is not on us. It's not about us being perfect Christians because then God will perform his miracle. It's not about us doing everything right and then God will keep his promise. No, Lord, this is about you being eternally faithful to your kingdom. You will let your word come to pass in its time. And he was born in March. Praise God for that. Perspective. You see, perspective, eternal perspectives, enables you to deal with grief, loss, sorrow, and pain. Eternal perspective helps you to understand delays or even unanswered prayers. God is working all things for the utmost glory of His name and the utmost good of His kingdom and His people. Always. The psalm goes on from verse 7 to say, For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance or your presence. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are like sands in the hourglass. No, sorry. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. Now this must have been an incredibly tough moment for Moses and the current generation. To acknowledge that they have sinned against God. And now the rightful just punishment is that they do not get to enter the promised land. You see, there's something about God's eternal nature that God is the eternal judge. He is the lawgiver. He is the judge. And whatever judgment he makes is correct. God is not accountable to any political system. God is not accountable to any society structure. He doesn't care about any cultural agenda. God is accountable to himself. And whatever judgment God makes, it is correct. None of us will stand before the presence of God face to face one day saying, Lord, do you now agree with me? You made a mistake back then. No, 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 you will fall to your knees and you will be in fear and trembling because God is God and he's always right. And here they stand and they have to acknowledge and accept the fact that their sin has now had a consequence. They will not enter into the promised land. That sounds tough. Like why couldn't God just be merciful and allow them in and deal with their stuff? You see, again, God is not just mindful of them entering into a temporary promised land. No, he is preparing an eternal promised land. And through these people, there needs to come a Savior that needs to be revealed to the world that when they receive Him, they will access eternity. And there is something about the people of God that they carry. There is something about their understanding of who God is and how they portray God to the rest of the nations that matters. And there were certain things that needed to be purged from that generation that cannot cross the Jordan into the promised land because eternity is at stake. Do you see how God is ever faithful to eternity? When I was reading this, I was asking myself this question, like, how do you turn away from God in that instance? 
Like he's come through for you. He opened up the Red Sea. Any of you seen that? No one, not yet. He opened up the Red Sea, led you through it, let it um, come down on the Egyptians, and then he has now provided for you for 40 years in the desert. You have not gone, gone hungry. You've not gone cold. Your clothes have grown with you. Imagine that. I know for some ladies that would be horrifying to think that you have to wear the same shoes for 40 years. My wedding suit still fits, but I can't wear it because it's out of fashion. Stuff. How do you turn away from God after you have seen Him work in such miraculous ways? I don't think it's an overnight rebellion. I don't think they woke up the one night and said, Ah, manna again, that's it, God, I'm out. It's a gradual shift of familiarity and compromise. Becoming familiar with who God is and allowing certain things that might be culturally acceptable to become part of my life. And gradually I'm shifting further and further and further away until it gives birth to this deep rebellion. I don't think it just happens overnight. To the current generation, it's a reminder to not forget. To Moses and the rest of that generation, do not forget who God is. Do not forget the nature of God that He is holy. Do not forget that God has wrath and anger poured out over sin. Do not forget that God is a righteous judge. And then verse 12. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which you have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Verse 17 isn't possible without verse 12. There's no way that our works will be established unless we have a mindset of eternity. That God will teach us to number our days. That we may gain a heart of wisdom, a heart of understanding. You see, you and I still live in this world. And we have this tension between worldly wisdom and eternal wisdom. Worldly wisdom makes light of God. We become familiar with God. Even though we might sit in church, um, we can mistake God's faithfulness as approval over our decisions. You see, in the wilderness, their gradual shift didn't happen overnight. It happened over a course of years. They were rebellious in the wilderness. God knew all of their secret and hidden sins, right? And there was this space where God did not stop providing for them. They still woke up and there was manna in the morning and there was quail in the evening. God did not withhold His provision over them because of their rebellion. He is faithful. But His faithfulness does not mean that He was agreeing with their idolatry. And that's a big warning and caution for you and I. That just because God is still being faithful in your life, does not mean that He approves every decision that you make. So we make light of God. Eternal wisdom makes much of God. There's a reverent fear and awe of who God is. The Bible speaks about God being, that we get to be friends of God, right? And we have that song, I am afraid of God, a friend of God. 
who calls me friend. None of us, when we stand before God face to face, will run up to him with a high five. Hey, buddy. Again, you will be in fear and trembling because you will see God in his rightful state. You will see God as he is. We make much of God. Worldly wisdom belittles sin and its consequences. It allows certain compromises to creep in, and we measure our lives with that of others. Because it's acceptable in society, it's okay for me to participate. Eternal wisdom pursues holiness. There's a desire to be rid of all sin and walk intimately with God because we understand that sin separates us from God always. Even though you might be born again, even though your eternity might be secure, sin will always break intimacy with you and God. Worldly wisdom makes much of this life. We are taught that you need to safeguard your future. You need to prepare well and invest well for your retirement. We need to live our best lives now and see as much as you can and go and travel the world and get as many pictures and memories as you can and to do what makes you happy because happiness is the highest virtue. If it doesn't make you happy, make a change. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's your marriage and you're not happy, make a change. Get out of it. But do what makes you happy. Eternal wisdom makes much of the next life. He says this life is but for a moment and God is busy preparing for us an eternal dwelling place. In comparison to eternity, this life is but for a moment. Whatever sacrifices we are called to make is but for a moment. Whatever hardship we are called to endure, whom of you love God's promises? It's a good place in church to raise your hand. Whom of you love the, the promises Jesus makes over your life? You sure? Because one of the promises is that you, in this life you will have suffering. But here's the thing, whatever suffering you are called to endure in this life is but for a moment in comparison to eternity. Eternal perspective. So now when we think about this, and we think about eternity, and you think about your own life, there's only two logical responses. I hope you can still hear me. There's only two logical responses. The one is, how is my life impacting the kingdom of God? How is my life making a difference for God's kingdom? How is that which I am studying, the work which I am in, the neighborhood where I'm living in, how is my life making a difference for God's kingdom eternally? And then secondly, how is my life, life making an impact in the lives of others? Nothing else makes sense in light of eternity. Friends, you can accomplish many things in this life and then you pack them in your suitcase and you take them to your grave and you rock up in heaven it's like, here I am with all my achievements. No, none of them transcend with you into eternity. The things that matter is how is your life making a difference for God's kingdom and how is your life impacting the lives of others? That's what will count for eternity's sake. Now let's be honest. In the same way, that the Israelites' hearts easily drew away from God and they fell back into rebellion and idolatry, that's us. How often do you and I fall back into worldly thinking? How often do you and I go back to the places where God saved us from? How often do we forget the faithfulness of God? How often do we fall back in love with this world and the things of this world and we start to allow certain compromises to come back into our lives? 
So how do we do this? How do we live lives that matter for eternity? You see, when it comes to this life and living lives for this life, then there's many self-help books. There's one that says how to live your best life now. How do you get to live your best life now? But there's no self-help book to prepare you for eternity. You know that there's this abbreviation with the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth? It sounds catchy, but it's not true. This is not an instruction manual, and if you follow everything to the letter, then you will be okay. Hello, Pharisees. No, this is the story about Jesus. And Jesus is the eternal wise king. How do we live lives that count for eternity's sake? It's being submitted to Jesus every single day forever and ever and ever. You and I never graduate beyond being dependent on Jesus. Utterly dependent. More than you think dependent on Jesus. There's no space where you get to a place to say, I have now matured enough and Jesus often asks me for advice. No, you are at His feet. You hear what He says and you do what He tells you to do. He is the eternal wise King. I'm going to take us into the last passage for tonight. And I want to ask the, the band to come up so long. So Matthew 16. So Jesus now is um, towards the latter part of His ministry and His time on earth. And He is now starting to share with the disciples that He will be suffering many great things and then ultimately He will be killed. And this is this portion here in Matthew 16 from verse 21. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him. Never, Lord, He said. This shall never happen to you. Not you, Jesus. You are the Savior. You are the Messiah. You are the one who has been prophesied about. You are come to liberate us. Never, they will not kill you. Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You are not mindful of eternity, Peter. You are mindful of the things of this world. And worldly thinking is in line with the works of the devil. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to God's eternal purposes. Church, when you and I are caught up in worldly thinking, temporary mindsets, we are in agreement with the mindset of the devil. And we are stumbling blocks to the eternal purposes of God. Jesus goes on and He says to His disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. So God is always busy establishing His eternal kingdom. Always. God is always working with eternity in mind. And there will be times in your life 
where God does something that you do not fully understand or maybe even agree with. There's a great promise, church, that God does not desire to keep His eternal plans a secret. He does desire to make them known to you. God desires to make known the deep things of His heart to those who earnestly seek Him. There are things about God's heart, His mind, His eternal plans that He wants to reveal to the church. He wants to reveal to His people, but it's not for the casual inquirer. It's not for those who think that if they just come to church and they read the Bible every now and then, they'll be okay. You might be saved, but you'll battle, you'll keep battling with this concept of eternity and your desires, your purpose in life. But when you do this, and you start to earnestly seek God, He makes known to you treasures in His heart. There is so much more of God for you and I to still discover. Until the end of our lifetime, and then for eternity, we will get to discover new things about our incredible Creator God. You will never get to a place where you're like, yep, I'm satisfied now with the knowledge of God. No, there's always more. And He desires to reveal Himself to you more and more and more. He wants to make you part of His eternal plans. So God is always working all things toward the utmost glory of His name and the utmost good of His kingdom and His people. So the question tonight is, which kingdom are you living for? Maybe a better way to phrase the question is, which kingdom are you living from? Are you still stuck in this kingdom of this temporary world? Or have you been established in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ? Have you been raised with Him to newness of life? Have you allowed Him to give you a new heart to change the way you see yourself and the world and live from heaven's perspective? Which kingdom are you living from? I remember coming back from England and God started to give me a heart for the next generation and I was busy doing youth ministry for about three years and, and I was busy with my five-year plan like what am I going to do with um, with you for the next five years and then I felt God spoke speaking to me and say no I need to come to Pretoria I'm like what um, I'm a I come from a farming community um, I never wore fallies and uh, short pants um, but I come from a, a very farming community, what I want to do in the city. God started to speak to me. Um, and I had a real desire to obey God. Not always getting it right, but I've had a real desire to really obey God. And I remember I said, okay, Lord, um, I now need to know if this is you or not. So I took a weekend um, to go away into someone's farm. And I remember just taking my Bible and a guitar and then every day going into the field just worshiping God, reading my Bible and asking God to speak to me. And then I come back and nothing, <laughs> nothing from God. Then the next day I would go out again, come back, nothing. No clear answer. And I was like, at the end of this weekend, Lord, I do need to make a decision. I need to give feedback as to what I'll be doing the following year. And then the last night, I went out and I was lying on the grass and um, almost becoming a little bit anxious. Like, I don't know what I need to do. And... I can't make big life decisions not knowing that God is with me. Because there will be challenges in life. There will be times in life where it would seem that God has deserted you. 
unless he has got you anchored in his word where he's promised that he will be with you. And I was lying on the grass and way out in the distance, I, was, I saw a light. And I walked toward to the edge of the property. There was a boundary fence. And I was looking at this distant light and I was like, yeah, I wonder what's happening over there. And I felt like a question in my heart. like, why don't you go and look? I was like, no, I'm too, I'm too afraid. Um, I mean, it's dark. I'm too afraid. And in, in, when I uttered those words, I'm too afraid, God spoke into my heart and said, that's why you don't want to move to Pretoria. You're afraid of the unknown. Can you trust me? And when I received that word, God started to speak scripture upon scripture upon scripture upon scripture to affirm the move to Pretoria, which might seem like a small thing, but it was again a massive trajectory change for my life. That's when I became part of the Every Nation family. And that word which God gave me at the end of 2008, was, 2009, was tested in 2010 when I was in Pretoria. And if I did not have that word, I would not be able to keep standing. Because you and I have many opportunities to tap out. There will be things that happen to you that you might not understand. I do not know what they are. There might be prayers, prayers, that you pray, prayers that you pray that God does not answer. And unless you have the Word of God establishing you, you will have an opportunity to tap out. And you get to forfeit certain things that God has prepared for you for eternity. There is destiny in this room tonight, church. Some of you are standing on that boundary fence and God is asking you, will you trust me? God is eternal. He is eternally powerful. He is eternally resourceful. He is eternally mighty. He is eternally compassionate. He is eternally gracious. He is eternally faithful. He is eternally wise. God desires to reveal His power and His might to you. You have to trust Him. We have to be willing to relinquish control so that we can see the work of God take place in and through our lives. And this is the reason. Lord, my life for your glory. My life for the good of your kingdom. And what is good for the kingdom is good for me. I trust you. I want to ask the band, we're going to sing that song again. And I want you to, at first, just remain seated and just reflect. In your own life, in light of eternity, are you in a good space with God tonight? How is your eternal salvation looking tonight? When I was in England and God spoke that word into my heart about eternity, I was in church, but I was living for my own kingdom. And God had to reveal an aspect of His nature to me. And this is what God spoke into my heart. Yaku, you do not know me. I was in church. You do not know me. If you die tonight, you will go to hell. And something in my heart shifted. Lord, then I want to know you. I want to know what it means to know you. Something shifted in my life that night when I made a decision to pursue knowing God. How is your eternal salvation looking tonight? In light of eternity, what things need, need to be a greater priority in your life? What things need to be a lesser priority in your life? In light of eternity, what things need to be cut away? 
what unforgiveness did you do to save it? What sin do you need to walk away from? Maybe there's a friend that you know that you need to reach out to. I want us just to reflect and allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you. Open your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me tonight.